Do you feel like nursing school adequately prepared you to give report as a new nurse? No. (laughs) I feel the same way. I feel like I was not adequately prepared. I was, in fact, not adequately prepared to give report, especially in the ICU. In this episode of the Confident Care Academy podcast, we are talking about ICU report and report in general. So before we dive into it, please like and subscribe. Please give the podcast a five-star rating. It really helps us reach new nurses who are in need of all these resources. As we are diving into it as an introduction, my name is Anna. I am now a second-year student registered nurse anesthetist. Before that, I was an ICU nurse for three years. One year, I was a staff nurse at Johns Hopkins and the CVSICU, and I was a travel nurse throughout the pandemic for about two years. I saw how many resources were not available to ICU nurses, and that's why I connected with my business partner. I'm Chrissy. I'm a CRNA. I've been uh, practicing for six years now, and before that, I was a CVICU nurse at UPenn. And today, we're teaching you guys a few of the things that you know you need to know about report. So the very first thing I will say, this is tip number one, report is a story. It has a past, it has a present, and it has a future. And those categories are very succinct. So the very first thing that I think you need to know is how to read an HMP. Mm-hmm. Um, all of this, we have a lecture in the Confident Care Academy membership about how to read an HMP. We also have many lectures about report for neuro-ICU patients, MICU patients, and cardiac patients. Definitely check that out. But the very first thing is as you're starting off giving a report, you're talking about the patient's past. The past is their past medical history, their demographic information, and then which teams are following them. And I think the best thing to start with is the HMP. And like you now have experience, Chrissy, as a teacher for RRNAs. people who are in the process of becoming CRNAs, right? So does that tie in there at all? Like the HMP? There's so much in the HMP. Yeah. When we give anesthesia handoff to other providers, and then when we give handoff to PACU nurses and we give handoff to ICU nurses, it's kind of like three different styles of report. Mm. But what they all have in common is you need to know why the patient's there. And I think that's one thing that people get wrong most often when giving report is they'll start out with like all the things on the checklist, but they won't talk about why the patient's there. (laughs) It's like, okay. um, You've got AFib, cool. John Doe is a 57-year-old male, and he has a longstanding history of AFib, hypertension, and diabetes. Um, And this is relevant because he came into the ED three days ago with a stroke, went straight to interventional radiology, um, you know, they found an aneurysm, coiled it or whatever, or like, I don't know, they gave him TPA, clot busted it, whatever may happens next. Right. And now, you know, three days later, he's here for whatever procedure. And like, we're opening up with just the relevant past medical history in order to tell the story of why they're here right now for this surgery or why they're here right now in this ICU or why they're here in this moment for this reason. You can then later dive into the nitty gritty of the rest of their history afterwards. So again, it goes back to SBAR, really. What's the situation? What's the background? Then what's the background? So the situation is he's 57 and he had a stroke and now he's here for whatever, a coiling, a TPA, monitoring, whatever it is. The best way this was explained to me, and this is what I tell people when I was precepting as well, is just report as a story with a past, present, and a future. The past is their past medical history and what was going on in the past. Their present is why they're here. What's going on? Why did they come to the ER? Or why are they going to surgery? And the future is what the oncoming nurse needs to know for their shift. 
or what is planned in the immediate future. So past, past medical history, present, why are they in the hospital and what's been going on? Future, what does the next nurse need to know? So having that framework is really, really helpful because I think you, it's very easy to get lost in the HMP as a new grad to just like read all of these notes from these and hyperlipidemia and they got extubated on the 12th and they got reintubated on the 13th and they got extubated on the 14th and they got reintubated on the 15th. Like no one cares. <laughs> yeah. What does the nurse need to know for like current day? So let a little quick sidetrack into the patient with an extensive medical history who's been in the ICU for like seven months, right? Okay. Let's talk about that. So then if you have a patient who came in, I would say initial admission date, initial admission diagnosis, and then you can say, and they've had a complicated course. If they've been there for like seven months, you can say it's been a complicated course in the last relevant piece of information, right? So if a patient comes in in February for a bolt bilateral lung transplant, and it is now September and they have had GI bleeds, sepsis, D-lined, relined, deintubated, like extubated, intubated, deintubated. What am I talking about? Trach, all this stuff. What you can say is I would add the elements of when they got a trach, when they got a peg, and what the next thing is. So you can yeah. say they've been here for an extended period of time. They've had a complicated post-op course. They had a peg placed a month ago. They were trached two weeks ago. And now we're waiting for clearance from the transplant team to transfer to the floor. And then that ties it up if they've been there for like seven months. If they've been there seven months, you don't need to go into every single nitty gritty piece day by day. Oh, and they got a unit of blood two weeks ago. Okay. Like, (laughs) and that's just going to take time. So like be kind to yourself as you're figuring out what to include and what not to include. And some of those things might be like semi-important to bring up. Like, oh, he was septic and on multiple pressors for a while. So therefore he's lost most of his toes. That's relevant. That's relevant. Or he's had multiple GI bleeds because he's had to be on high doses of anticoagulation for his VAD. So like that's something for them to watch out for. Or he's had multiple transfusions and now has active antibodies. So if you need to get blood for some reason, it has to come from the Red Cross and it could take six hours to get here. That's relevant. So it's important to think about again, like, okay, yeah, came in with a stroke because he had new onset AFib he didn't know about. And they did this procedure. And now we're still here for this reason. And this is the other significant history. And this is the plan for today. Yeah. I think ending the plan for today before you go into systems is really good. Right now, we've been talking about the story. So you have got the past, present, and future. This element is what I would tell all my new grads to do, slash what I did as a new grad, is when you first get in in the morning, read the HMP, the initial HMP, and then read the intensivist most current note. Oh, yeah. Read both of those as, like, your place to start, and then check your labs, and then check your you know, your echo, your morning x-ray, all that stuff. But like at least very first thing in the morning is check the HMP, check the most recent intensivist note, and then check your labs. That's like the basis of building out your report. And then you're going to go in and you're going to give report in systems. Okay. So your systems, your head to toe, this is going to be the same no matter which ICU you're on, whether in your cardiac ICU or you're in neuro ICU. I've actually worked in all of them except for PICU and NICU at this point. I've done... Wow. I've done trauma, burn, MICU, neuro, neurotrauma, CVICU, SICU. Fun. Hit them all. You're going to get reporting systems in every single ICU. No kids. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no children. I have not worked in PICU, although I respect it. Our Kate, who does 
lectures in the Confident Care Academy membership. She's an amazing pediatric CRNA. Definitely come check out her live stream that she did in the Critical Confident Care Academy membership. She talks about being a pediatric ICU nurse and then pediatrics and anesthesia. That's a great, that's a great live. Definitely go check that out. But even in pediatrics, you're gonna get report by systems. So this is where a lot of times it's really easy to get lost in the weeds as a new grad nurse. I think a good tip is to start off with a report sheet oh, and yeah. then hold on to that thing like it's your lifeline as a new nurse. Within a few months, you're just gonna be using a blank sheet of paper, but you're not ready for that yet. You gotta use the training wheels first. Yeah, start out with checklists. Again, <laughs> read the checklist manifesto. Checklist manifesto. By Atul Gawande. Um, checklists are so important for us to not forgetting information. And the truth is that even though you eventually hit that point where you can use a blank sheet, we probably should all be using checklists for every single handoff because there's lots of data out there to show that we do in fact miss things and forget to pass on really vital information. So that is something that should be changed in the culture of medicine. We should be using standardized checklists for handoffs at every single transfer of care. So that's not something to be ashamed of using. That's something you should be trailblazing, if anything. Yeah, that'd be a great uh, QI project. And if you're doing a DMP project, that'd be another great DMP project. Yeah. So systems, head to toe. You go by body system. So I always start in neuro. In neuro, I personally include pain in neuro. So I'll also talk about which interventions have been made in each according system accordingly. So it can be very confusing for a new grad to see, okay, like I understand that I'm going to talk about cardiac, but what I'll also say is talk about cardiac and then talk about any interventions that you made related to that body system. Okay. So when you're doing your head to toe report, you'll say, this is Christina Macero. She is a you 31, 32. Turning 33 soon. She's 32. Okay. This is a 30... <laughs> 32-year-old female, full code. Uh, she's ANO times four, GCS 15. She's being followed by physical therapy. And she's here for whatever she's here for. And I would then also talk about whatever her past pain medications were and when she can get them again. I talk about that in neuro. So if you have an intervention relevant to the system, talk about it in the system. And then next, I personally do respiratory. Some people do cardiac next, whatever you want to do. They're both in this region. Pick There's, one. It's both, it's the chest region. So you talk about whatever in those systems. And then where it gets a little weedy often is cardiac. Because a lot of the reason that people are in the hospital is either cardiac or respiratory compromise. So I will say if you were giving a report on cardiac and you were having to push a bunch of cardiac meds, I would talk about that in that system. Yeah, I think pressers go with cardiac for sure. I agree. So that's where I would talk about my drips, and I would also talk about any interventions that are made. So let's say your AFib RVR example, right? Oh, this is this patient has, uh, their rate is in, uh, she's in AFib, rates have been in the 130s, and this is her blood pressure goals. I've had to give amiobolises, da-da-da-da-da. So talk about your cardiac and then talk about your interventions. Same with respiratory. If you had to intubate the patient or extubate the patient, I would talk about I would talk about your standard bullet points you're going to hit and then any interventions at the end of that system. Vent settings, et cetera. Vent settings, where the tube is placed, all of that good stuff. Vent liberation goals. They're doing spontaneous breathing trials. The goal is to extubate today. They're on pressure support, minimal settings. We're doing uh, trait collar. We're trying to wean and like let them rest in the vent overnight. So they'll do trait collar today, all that. And did you see how there was a future thing in there that Chrissy said? So 
what had happened in the past. Oh, they're on these settings. Oh, and we want to do this. So you can also talk about the future part within each individual system. Uh, if they're tube feeding and your goal is to increase it, you can talk about that in, in GI, right? It's just really important to get a system going as a new grad. When you're a new grad, it's all it's all Greek to you, you know? You've never seen this stuff before, and you've definitely never worked in an ICU where you're working with all these different devices and everything. It really kind of ties into the checklist manifesto. Do you have any, like, tips on how to stay organized as a new grad? Again, using using a tool. We have that downloadable report and time management sheet. I really think it's so important to, you know, practice writing down and receiving report mm-hmm. and then also and, like, knowing what's relevant to write down and then also practicing giving report with your preceptor. That's really huge. Um, and, again, use your paper to read off of it when you're giving report. There's no shame in having a cheat sheet. Same thing goes with, like, your goals of care for the day, the two are kind of intertwined. And I do this for every single time that I hand off a patient in PACU even to Mm -hmm. this day. Um, I will write down, like if I don't know the patient very well, like if I just took over the room or something like that, I'll write down like all the essential bullet points to tell the PACU nurse or the ICU nurse. And I do kind of like try to keep it consistent in the same format. And I do try to always tell that story again, like that past, present, and future. And I always give them the background of like, why they had the surgery and, you know, how the surgery went and then go into anesthesia report of like the details of the anesthetic and the case. That's a really, that's a, I love that you have a system that you still use all the time. I think it's really helpful. Again, like checklist manifesto, great resource. I will say one other tip in terms of staying organized. I like to use a mechanical pencil to take report, especially on these post-op cardiac surgery patients. Mm -hmm. A lot of the stuff that you write down is going to change throughout the day. And if it's a visually cluttered report sheet, it can be really hard for you to find the values that you're looking for on your report sheet as a new grad. So I would write report and take report in pencil. And then I would erase things that weren't relevant at the end of the shift. And then I would use a, I would, the only time I would use a pen, I like to use a colored pen. And I would use that for my updated lab values before I gave report at the end of the day. Oh, that's so organized. So So, nice. So then, like, if I had a patient who was extubated at the beginning of the shift, let's say, and then they got very much more symptomatic with their sepsis, then I would erase the fact that they were on four liters of nasal cannula, and then I write down their ET tube and their settings. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the report, I'm not, like, having to cross stuff out and then read in small text right next to it. So then for all the major body systems, again, I would erase what's no longer relevant and write what's new. I would really take like 15 minutes at the end of my shift and write out my report sheet, all of the changes for my patient to give report to the oncoming nurse. So I never like updated my existing sheet, but Mm -hmm. I would rewrite a sheet for the next shift also. That works too. And I would just like rewrite one from scratch. And then, like, that way it would be super neat. And then um, I actually do this now today. Whenever I, like, have a complicated patient, I, like, write things down in bullet points that I know that the nurses want to know. Mm-hmm. And I hand them the sheet at the end to keep. Oh, I like that practice. I'll take that yeah. sometimes, for myself. And sometimes if there's something, like, I suspect that they might not fully understand, like, if they, like, give me a funny eyebrow or mm-hmm. it's just something I, I know that most nurses don't know, I'll take a moment and be like, oh, like, has this been explained to you? Or like, are you familiar with this? And then usually the answer is no. And then I will take a second, answer that question, and then like draw out whatever I need to draw out for them to understand it. So for example, I had a patient recently who had 
HOCUM, um, hypertrophic obstructive cardiomyopathy. And it's really different than other types of heart failure, which we talk about in the Confident Care Academy membership. Yeah, I'm like thinking about that <laughs> lecture, the HOCUM lecture. It's a good one. Check yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, one of the PACU nurses was like, oh, I he's in heart failure. Like, you don't want me to hang these fluids, right? I'm like, oh, no, no, he needs the fluids. Please finish the fluids. And she was like, yeah, but you said he's in heart failure. Not that kind of heart failure. Not that kind of heart failure. So then I said to the primary nurse who was taking care of him, I was like, are you familiar with Hokum? She's like, no, I, I used to be a neuro nurse. It's like, okay, like, no problem. Let's talk about like, it. Let's talk about it. So like I drew a picture of like the overgrown septum and like the LV outflow tract obstruction and Sam, because he did have some systolic anterior motion of the mitral valve, which is also in the Confident Care Academy membership. Point That's being, such a good lecture. Point anyway. being, you want a nice slow full heart to manage these patients typically. We're typically not trying to keep them dry in the way we are for people with cardiomyopathy. So, and again, these are broad generalizations, lots of nuance to all of that, but, you know, taking the time to draw it out and like leave them with like a bullet point checklist of the assessment and the drawing, especially when it's a complex patient, Mm -hmm. I think just makes them a little bit more confident in their care. No pun intended. Confident in their care. What a great idea. What a great name. What a, what a great, who came up with that? It's such a great name. <laughs> I, I think that's a really good practice. And I will take that for myself as I enter into the OR world and as an anesthesia provider myself. I, with bullet points for new grad nurses, I'll say this. I do recommend printing out a report sheet. And then on the back, I, I think we'll just make it free. So click the link down in the description for our free report sheet. That'll get you on our email list where we also give you a lot of free education as well. So I like to personally print out the ICU report on the front page. And then on the back page, I'll just have my hourly to-do list. And then at the end of the day, I'll also have a separate area on the back with bullet points of things that need addressing, essentially. And I think that's a great way for you to stay organized. Also, definitely just I we recommend going through with systems, checklists, using a standardized report sheet as a new grad. It's just going to help you stay on track. And then that tip for me, yeah, I like to have different colors for my lab values as they come back throughout the day. So I usually write down the morning labs in my mechanical pencil. And then if I was sending labs at like 4 p.m. before the oncoming nurse would come on, I'd write down those values in like green or blue or something. So it was like an updated blood gas that I could visually find quickly on the sheet. And also I love like cute little things that new grads do like they're so cute and young and want to do a good job. And we want for you all to do a good job too. And we believe in you. You're going to be great. That's so cute. I feel like I've never been that like color coding person, but I do think it's very adorable. <laughs> well, it's like you talk to me all the time about like, you just forget what it's like to be new, you know, like we've all been there, but I'm currently a new anesthesia learner. And I was talking to you on the phone the other day. Oh my gosh. I was like, fighting for my life with a scavenger system. I'm trying to understand my anesthesia machine. And like, you just, you know, you you do it so much, it becomes like second nature. You, you don't even think about it. It's true. An example of like, oh my gosh, I remember being a new grad and I would be like spiking all my bags and hanging things. And then I would be holding like the trash in my hands. And then I'd get so like flustered, like holding all this stuff. My new, my preceptors would be like, what are you doing? Like, put down the trash, Anna. Like, <laughs> You forget what it's like to be new and to be so awkward with the mechanics of just like being a nurse overall, which kind of leads into like, how can you, let's say that you are a preceptor or you're a teacher or someone who is an experienced ICU nurse who's listening to this episode, because I think we all have things that we can learn. 
What are some ways to like teach other people how to give report, right? Patience. Patience. Not interrupting them. Not interrupting them. Not grilling people. Let them finish their thought. Don't derail them. I think that's like the biggest thing you can do if you're on the receiving end or mm -hmm. if you're teaching again. And also like it's really important to be delicate with how you give feedback. Yeah. We want to be honest with people. We don't want to sugarcoat things or not challenge people to be better or encourage them to be better. But we also want to do it in a way where we don't like crush their souls, maybe. I don't know. It's kind of. A <laughs> Did you have your soul crushed? I had my soul crushed a little bit as a new grad. Countless times. Um, <laughs> little light bit of soul crushing. You know, little, little light bit of soul crushing. But it is so important to just say like, hey, um, could you tell me a little bit more about this? Or would you mind explaining that further if instead of just jumping down someone's throat, like maybe they're saying something wrong or giving like you know that there's more information that they're not picking up on, but just encourage them to kind of dig deeper into that. That's a really good teaching moment. I think also allowing your new grad space to practice, like especially if it's their first month, if you're a preceptor, please carve out like 15 minutes before you give report to the oncoming shift. Time for them to practice with you first. Yeah, That is the place to give that one-on-one -on -one feedback early on because literally your first week or two you, they, they don't know how to do it. And if you carve out that space, it's also creating a lot of trust between the two of you too. Like, Hey, I'm going to teach you how to do this. And I'm also going to give you space to do that with me where I'm going to provide feedback, not in front of another person. Some of the hard stuff about being an ICU nurse is that the patients are sick and the feedback is very public. So it's hard to be a learner in an environment where a whole room full of people is going to hear you called out for you and having no idea what you're talking about. It's very shame-based. It's very shame-based and it's very performance-based, which ties into the episode we just recorded, which is about failure. You should definitely check out the failure and healthcare episode. Yeah. Definitely check that out. But carve out 15 minutes before the end of shift to have them practice giving report with you. That is going to be huge. Also, I recommend asking new grads or a new ICU nurse if they prefer their questions at the end of a system or at the end of report. Yeah. That's a really great way that you can still be providing feedback as the person is giving report, but then you're not interrupting them immediately. Because I think we've all had the experience of me being like, this is John Doe. He's a 57-year-old male. When was the last time he ate? You're like, okay, how about we talk about that in GI? <laughs> So if you automatically create the space of like, I will ask you questions, but do you want for me to hold up my questions till the end? Or do you want me to ask them at the end of systems? That automatically is going to let the new grad feel a little bit more like at ease as they're practicing going through things. I think it's important as a preceptor to also just let people struggle through things and not rescue them constantly. Mm. Like let them fumble, let them kind of just practice getting the words out because sometimes that's the hardest part. If you're constantly rescuing them, especially in front of other people, like we said, you really tank their confidence and don't let them practice developing this skill. And this is something that takes experience as a preceptor. Like I remember it was really hard to teach SRNAs in the OR in the beginning. You want to rescue their every move. Every time they don't recognize an alarm immediately, you go and address the alarm. Like now that I'm a more experienced preceptor, like I'll let the alarm go a little bit as long as the patient's not like actively dying and make and wait until the the learner recognizes the alarm. And if they don't, I'll be like, what are you missing? And I'll wait for what? That. You'll be like, what else? And something's like, beep, beep, beep. You're like, oh, I don't know. And you're I like, don't know. what else? What are you not seeing? What are you missing? Turn around. <laughs> 
it's, so, it's good. It's important to let people kind of flounder a little. Characteristics-wise are hard. Like, if you're an ICU nurse or you're an SRNA, like, you're a perfectionist, try hard. Not all the time, but, like, a lot of people who are drawn to this have some of those characteristics. So if you are now, especially, like, with all the nurse turnover that we've talked about, right, because a lot of nurses, unfortunately, are not union nurses. So we have a like very large turnover overall. And then you've got new, the blind leading the blind, right? You got new grads teaching other new grads, which is just like crazy unsafe in the ICU. But all of that being said, it's like, how can you as a new nurse who maybe only has a year of experience yourself and you're teaching somebody only a year after you, how do you like sit on your hands? So you don't just immediately hop in and then like take it out of their hands and like do it themselves. Right. Yeah. And like, that is a big learning curve, like learning how to be a preceptor and a teacher. Like just because you understand pathophysiology doesn't necessarily mean that you're a good teacher. It's true. I mean, (laughs) I always say to my students, like I set learning goals for the day Mm. and I tell them how we're going to do things and set expectations. And I, I love that phrase. See one, do one, teach one. Love it. And, uh, you know, have you done this before? Nope. Okay. So you're going to watch the first time. Okay. Then the next one, we're going to do it together. Okay. And then the next one, you're going to explain to me how you're going to do it. And then you're going to do it yourself. That teach back method. Completely agree. I think it's also such good practice to set learning goals for the day. Love that if you're precepting. So if you're a guest preceptor and you're coming in and you don't know where the orientee is on their orientation, set learning goals. Like before you dive into the day, ask them where they're at in their orientation and what they're working on. And then I would set like really clear communication goals, especially if they're, it's like their first month. Let's be like, okay, well, how about you go do your assessment and then pull all your meds and then come to me and we'll talk about all your meds before handoff. And then I would like to see charting done by 10. I like that. That's like very clear goal setting. And then you can then have them finish their charting and then you say, let me know when you're ready to double check it. And then you're going to go in and then that's going to teach them to like hopefully be doing tasks and be independent. This is also sounds like a lot. We also have time management, a whole lecture on time management in the ICU, four different little sections about how to give report in the ICU. Like if you are a new grad ICU nurse, definitely recommend checking out the start here section of Company Care Academy. It's going to set you up for success. But I think also just as a preceptor, being really proactive with the communication is going to be what it takes to get your new grad set up for success. Because you are, at the end of the day, trying to teach them to be an independent, autonomous nurse with critical thinking. So how do you encourage that while also setting learning standards along the way? There's a whole art to precepting. There really is. And that's why we created not only Confident Care Academy, like to help buffer and pad that lack of resources, because mm-hmm. you're not going to have 100% great preceptors. And even if they were all stellar and amazing, it's just not enough to fully equip you. Um, that's why we created that new grad starter pack section. So you can go to the foundations of ICU tab or the new grad starter pack. And it's kind of condensed all of those things you need into one like little mini course, um, to get you started. And then we start diving in system by system. So you're definitely going to want to go through the library and use that to set your once a week learning goals, which we really love. I love that. And I also want to just encourage all the preceptors out there that you have the opportunity to really make a lifelong impact on your learners, on your new nurses. I remember my preceptors who were so incredible, like to this day, Albert, shout out to Albert. Shout out to Albert. We love Albert. He like nurse dad. He is amazing. And he honestly like believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. 
And I was still so new and terrified of everything that was happening. And then he, I mean, he would even have pep talks with me. He's like, you're here for a reason. Like you're supposed to be here today and you do have what it takes on days that I didn't really believe in myself. And he also would be great at like leaning up against a counter, asking a question and then letting me sort my way through it. I remember one day specifically, oh my gosh, I had a patient who, <laughs> it even, it, it's it's looking back, it's like almost funny. I was like, I was doing my assessment and I came in, it's at 8 a.m., I get handoff and I come out and I'm like, Albert, their pupils are pinpoint. And he's like, what does that mean? And I was like, overdose. He's like, okay, well, what are they on? And like, they're on like a high dose of like a fentanyl infusion. He's like, yeah, that's a symptom of like being on, they're intubated. It's okay. But like, you know, as a new grad, you just like see this physical assessment finding and you're like, oh my gosh, this is. Oh, so cute. <laughs> you forget what it's like to be like so new, you, you know? You do, you forget. <laughs> but also that circles back to our episode about overcoming failure. Mm-hmm. It's important to look back on your achievements and how far you've come and acknowledge them. Wow. That's such a good episode. And it also circles back to the episode of your assessment. Because as a new nurse, you don't know anything, but you do know how to do a physical assessment. And if you see something that's off about your assessment, you need to trust it and you need to phone a friend and bring in a more experienced, phone an older ICU nurse to come in and help you. I forgot we did an assessment episode in the podcast. We also have a really good assessment lecture in the membership. And I know it's really good because I just went back and listened to it the other day. <laughs> I was like, damn, we did that. Anyway, but like we, a whole year of like shooting episodes now. Crazy. Anyway, so, but we do have a free assessment lecture in the Confident Care Academy YouTube channel slash podcast. So go back and check those out. But guys, our next episode, we're going to be talking about travel nursing. Go ahead and check that one out. Please like and give the podcast a five-star rating. It really helps us reach new nurses and bring them into the Confident Care Academy community. We appreciate y'all and we'll see you next time. 